Employment Hour right here. Talk Radio AM 640, AM 900 as well. The number 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmenthour.com. You want to toss uh, Lior an email throughout the show, you can do that. We got a lot of stuff to cover today. In fact, the top reasons people sign seven offers when they shouldn't. There's a, there's a list, a, a very large list, which we will get through and form you on that. First, we always start with the uh, the week that was. How you doing, pal? That's right, Johnny. Thank you very much. Glad to be back here on our weekend edition of the the employment hour always uh, important to learn and talk about the workplace rights and you know it's interesting I often get calls in my office people saying listen Leroy, I, I think I was constructively dismissed or I think my employer didn't uh, provide uh, mm-hmm. the duty to accommodate things that they probably wouldn't have known about before you know things that they've heard me talk about on the show now they realize and understand what their legal rights are what those legal terms mean and that's really really great to see that's why we're here that's why we've been doing this show for three and a half years so I'm really happy we can educate people and, and keep it up, folks. You really have to know about your workplace rights. And if you don't know something, if you're worried about something, give me a call, send me an email. And to get us going, as always, let's talk about a couple of situations that I dealt with uh, this uh, this previous week. Uh, the first one, John, involved uh, a, a situation, and it's a good example of how uh, disability issues can intersect with employment issues. Uh, this was a matter where a person, as a result of a, a very significant personal uh, tragedy, uh, began, began suffering from uh, depression and anxiety to the point that he was essentially totally disabled. He couldn't leave the house. He couldn't see people. Uh, he wouldn't sleep. It was terrible. He was under doctor's care and under a psychiatrist as well. Mm-hmm. Needless to say, he couldn't work. Now, as, uh, he applied for disability, and after uh, about two or three months or so, the insurance company cut him off and said, we think you can go back to work. Now, my partner, Savannah Tamarkin, was dealing with the insurance company. However, in the meantime, his employer says to him, we understand that you can go back to work. That's what the insurance company is saying. So if you're not back to work within a week, we're going to consider you to have resigned. Uh, he responds to them with the doctor's note saying, no, I can't work. That's what the doctor says. And the employer literally says, we don't care about that because your insurance company or our insurance company says you can work. So again, Mm -hmm. you're not back at work, you've resigned. He didn't go back to work because he couldn't. And sure enough, that employer says, you've resigned uh, so long, we don't have to pay you anything. And that's when Sivan tells him, you have to talk to Lior. And I speak to him. And what I tell him, of course, hopefully by now our listeners would understand and appreciate this. Of course, they can't do this to you. If your doctor is telling you you cannot work, then you cannot work. It doesn't matter what the insurance company Mm -hmm. says. Your employer must uh, listen and look at and abide by what your doctor says. In this situation, the doctor said you can't work, so you can't be penalized. You haven't resigned because you're doing what the doctor says. So not only have you been wrongfully dismissed, what I told them, but the fact that you were effectively terminated in these situations, uh, it's also a human rights matter. And again, this guy's a 10-year-plus employee, 10 or 11 years, so he's going to be owed at least a year's pay. And and so I'm now working with him to get him that compensation. There's a very, very important lesson there for our listeners, is, and that is you cannot be considered to have resigned if you cannot work for medical reasons. There's no exception to that ever. As long as the doctor says you cannot work, it doesn't matter what an insurance company says. It doesn't matter what your employer thinks or wants. You cannot work and you cannot be penalized in any way, shape, or form. If that does happen to you, you have to give me a call. one 821 What else uh, you got for a week that was this week? Second situation, John, uh, shows us the importance of paying attention when it comes to employment agreements, uh, employment contracts. 
Oh, again, the gentleman that uh, I dealt with this week had worked for a company in a very senior position for over 21 years. Back in 2013, he was promoted to a VP, vice president position, and signed an employment agreement. And that employment agreement uh, limited his entitlements to the, the bare minimum. Fast forward to 2016, he's let go. Company says, well, because of that employment agreement that you signed in 2013, when we promoted you, well, we don't have to pay you your full entitlements. We only have to pay you about eight months' pay. That's mm-hmm. the minimum entitlements. Whereas his full entitlements, John, would be 24 months' pay. Now, when I looked at that agreement, I realized, wait a second. You, this agreement says that you're, gonna, you're promoted in uh, April of 2013, yet you signed it in October of 2013, several months later. Well, what gives? He simply says, well, no, I was never asked to sign anything until I was already doing this job for about six months or so. Well, guess what, John? If you're promoted and then you sign an employment agreement after the promotion comes into effect, that employment agreement is unenforceable, which is extremely important because if the agreement is unenforceable, the term that limits your severance is also unenforceable. Big time. So for him, he was not bound by that employment agreement, and we resolved this matter this week on the basis of somewhere around 22 months' compensation, significant amount of money, uh, instead of the eight months that the employer wanted to pay him. So bottom line is you have to pay attention to when you sign an employment agreement. If you signed it after a promotion or after you started working, it's not enforceable, and that could be a very good thing. Got about a minute left in this uh, opening segment. Uh, give me some details on the severance pay calculator. That's uh, The severance calculator, John, is a tool that uh, literally by now hundreds of people have used. I should actually look to see the exact number. Maybe I'll update that next time we're on. And it does what the name suggests. It calculates, it tells you how much severance you're owed if you lost your job. Severancepaycalculator.com is the address. You input your age, your position, and the length of your employment, and you find out exactly how much you're owed. It's an easy tool to have in your back pocket. It's an important one. Use it frequently uh, and tell others about it. Inform yourself because I promise you, if you lost your job, the offer that you will receive, at least in 90% of cases, 95% of cases, is not going to be adequate. So you need to know exactly how much you're owed severancepaycalculator.com. We'll take a short break. The number to call anytime, 1-855-821-5900. An email quickly you want to send one. Uh, you can just go to help at employmenthour.com as well. Lots more coming up here on the Employment Hour. Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmenthour.com. We've got so much to get through this uh, hour, Leo. We'll get into this one. This is a great topic. Top reasons people sign severance offers when they shouldn't. I'll uh, go down the list here. You can uh, throw them back uh, with some detail. Number one, uh, they're in shock and not thinking clearly. Absolutely, John. And, and you know there are several reasons. We're going to go through them as to why people sign off on severance packages when they shouldn't. And then when they've done that, and either a day later or months later, even years later, when they realized that they should not have signed them, call me uh, and, and I can't help them. We've had that on the show many times, people calling us and emailing us, can you still help me, Leo? I signed off on a severance offer, and usually the answer is no. And probably one of the main reasons why people sign off on these offers without getting proper advice when these offers are not adequate is because they're not in the right frame of mind. If you're all of a sudden being called into a meeting, you find out that that's it, today is your last day, you don't expect that, it's a shock. You're now out of a job. You're, still, you're thinking about all the obligations that you have, financial obligations to your family, uh, your kids. 
and then you know your mortgage etc and now you don't have work you're not in the right frame of mind you're in shock maybe you're you're even uh, de- depressed you're certainly intimidated and a lot of people do the easy thing which is to sign off on the severance package which offers them some compensation because they really are not thinking clearly so that's why i want to do this show that's why i have been doing this show because i want people to to be aware of that if you're ever in that situation remember you have to get some legal advice because if you don't, it's too late once you've signed. Uh, be mindful of what we said. Use the severance calculator. We've made it easy to get that information and ever, ever, ever uh, sign off on something before getting that advice. So maybe you, uh, you've got that offer in front of you. You're keeping your cool. You're not freaking out. You are uh, you know, thinking fairly clearly, but you're getting pressure from the employer. Yeah, and that's another huge main reason as to why people sign off on offers before getting advice, uh, before they should sign off on the offers. They feel that pressure, that intimidation. Uh, oftentimes, an employer may say things such as, you know, this is our, our last offer, or if you don't sign this, you're not going to get anything, or this is more generous than we have to be. And you may feel intimidated by that. Well, if I don't sign this, I'm going to lose something, mm-hmm. or uh, I'm going to be in trouble, and then what I'm gonna, am I going to do? How am I going to get money? And that is nothing but a pressure tactic, John. That's all it is. It, it's obvious, it's blatant, uh, and, and it's inappropriate. Your legal rights are what they are. It doesn't matter what your employer wants your legal rights to be or even what your employer thinks your legal rights are. They are what they are. So you can't be intimidated out of your legal rights. They don't expire just because your employer says that they're going to. Over 90% of people are offered inadequate severance and the employer puts pressure on them to accept this inadequate severance. So remember that. That's a pressure tactic. Your legal rights are not going to expire just because your employer says so. So get that advice. Don't be intimidated. Don't fall for that pressure tactic. one 821 5900 is the number. We're talking about the top reasons people sign severance offers when they really shouldn't. Uh, they think that the company uh, have given them appropriate severance. Say, this is good. This looks pretty sweet. I might as well sign this thing. Not well, yeah. Really. On the other extreme of things, there are people that you know simply are not intimidated. They're not uh, in the wrong frame of mind. They're maybe misinformed as to what their entitlements are or, or they believe that the employer must have treated them fairly. Some people may uh, may have misconceptions themselves as to what they're owed, and they may see a severance offer that's more than what they thought, and they're eager to accept it, not knowing, in fact, that it's still completely inadequate. A lot of people also may trust their employer. They, a lot of people may think, well, I've been working for this company for years. I have a good relationship with mm-hmm. them, so I trust them. If they've offered me this severance package, it must be good. In fact, because I have a great employer, it's probably a great severance right. package. So I'm just going to accept it, uh, and, and you know I trust the employer. That is wrong, okay? In over 90% of cases, severance is inadequate. And in many cases, John, the employer itself may not know or appreciate how much money they have to pay, how much severance. So your employer may want to be a good guy or, or a good company and, and give you good severance, but they themselves may often think that what they owe you is a lot less than what they really do. So because of that, again, I go back to it. You have to get some legal advice. Even if you think you're looking at a great severance offer, you think it's the best offer anyone's ever gotten, you, how easy is it to pull out your smartphone or grab your laptop and go to severancepaycalculator.com and find out if you're right? And if you're right, great. Sign off, be, be merry, and, and, and you know, move on. But at least you know. There's no excuse not to find that information unless you yourself are an employment lawyer and then you're able to assess how much uh, you mm-hmm. should be getting. You have to get that advice. Severancepaycalculator.com. Call me. 
what don't or call another employment lawyer. Just get legal advice. Isn't it often the case too where the uh, the company will knowingly uh, lowball you and everybody else for that matter, knowing they're it's a poker game. They, you know, they figure out of ten people they let go, maybe eight will uh, just take the offer and run. Maybe one or two will seek some advice, so they're ahead of the game, right? That it's a numbers game. It's exactly what it is. It's pure and simple numbers game. They play the odds. They can count on the fact that if they let ten people go. Eight of them easily are going to accept without even batting an eye or, or asking for anything else. So that's pretty good odds. If they only have to pay proper entitlements to two out of ten employees, hey, that's pretty good odds. So as a result of that, that that's what you can assume. That's what you can assume, that your employer is using the severance package. It's playing the odds in the hopes that you're going to accept it when you shouldn't. Uh, and you know, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping and I do believe that over the three and a half years that we've done the show, We've reached a lot of people, thousands of people, and at least those people, and hopefully the ones that they know, are now not in that category. They're not in that 8 out of 10. They're now the 2 out of 10. They're going to know better when they lost their job. They're going to know to pull out their, their smartphone and go to severancepaycalculator.com, and I hope that's exactly what our listeners do now. The top reasons people sign severance offers when they shouldn't. Lots more of those coming through bullet points and explanations with Lior. The number you need to get a hold, one 821 5900 and help at employmenthour.com. More of the Employment Hour is on the way on right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. one 821 5900 and help at employmenthour.com is the email address. We'll get to some of those very shortly. We're right in the middle of this uh, particular topic, though, and that is the top reasons people sign severance offers when they shouldn't. Uh, we love this one. They get incorrect advice from you know either Google University or their best friend has been let go many times. He knows everything. Or the dreaded Ministry of Labor. Yeah, and you know what? That is, this actually could be one of the top reasons, maybe even the top reasons, as to why people accept inadequate severance. Uh, severance. They just get the wrong advice. I think a lot of people by now know that they should find out if what they've received is fair. They should look for some information. Unfortunately, they go to Google University. Um, most of us probably are, are conditioned by now. If you want an answer to a question, first place we go to is Google. Hmm. And and just like with anything else as relates to Google or online, you have to be careful for where you get that information. Especially it's true when it comes to employment law and termination of employment. There are so many misconceptions out there, and there are so many little pieces of truth that if you don't know that they're just a part of the truth, you may think they're the whole truth. For example, if you read online that uh, if I'm let go, I'm owed one week's of pay for every year of service, well, strictly speaking, that's not incorrect, except that is only your minimum entitlements. In other words, that's a small portion of what you are actually owed. So as a result of that, you may read that and think, that's all I get, and I was offered that much, I should accept the severance pack. So that's wrong, and, and that's why we've created the severance calculator, that's why we do this show. And the Ministry of Labor, as I've said before, you know, makes the same problem or creates the same issue and makes it even worse. If you call the Ministry of Labor and ask them how much am I owed now that I've lost my job, you'll find out what your minimum entitlements are. You're not going to be able to find out what your full entitlements are. And you're not, if you don't know better, you'll think that those minimum entitlements is all I get when it's in fact a small portion of it. 
So you can't get advice when it comes to termination from the Ministry of Labor because they're not able to tell you how much you're owed. You can't just go on a website or on a message board and, and ask just like you wouldn't do that if you had a serious medical condition. You're not going to ask your, your golfing buddies, should I be concerned about this lump uh, you know, that I have on, on the side of my, my head? So it's the same thing when it comes to employment law. You have to speak with an expert. You have to get proper legal advice. And, and you can't believe everything you read. We, that's why we try to do this show and be op, open and honest and provide uh, unbiased uh, legal information uh, to inform people and actually tell them the actual way that it is rather than just a portion of what it is. Speaking of golf buddies, that was part of the reason why you, you invented and created the severance pay calculator a few years ago. Didn't you, you know, you're on some website and you know, way trickled down some thread all of a sudden it got into employment and severance and you're reading something. Yeah. It wasn't even related to the, what was going on, right? No, that there was a message board uh, to, to do with golfing. And that's why I said, you know, golfing buddies. Uh, and, you know, people will talk about golfing and their favorite uh, golf clubs and golf courses and whatnot. And there, were, there was a thread there, at least one. There was probably a, a couple. But the people started, hey, I lost my job, and what do, I, what do you think about my severance offer? And you've had 50, 60 people responding, all of them with their own two cents, mm. all of them wrong. And, you know, this person, I don't know what he ended up doing, the one that posted the question, but he probably ended up accepting severance offer yeah. that was completely inadequate. And, and, and that made me think, you know what, there's really this need to, to provide people with easy access to accurate legal information. And that's where the idea for the show, that's where the idea for the severance calculator came from. Uh, and unfortunately... People are still doing those things, and you really have to be careful about that. You, you, this is your family at stake here. If you've accepted a $20,000 severance package instead of an $80,000 severance package because you uh, used a Google message board or, mm. or online, well, you know, who's suffering now? It's you and your family. Don't let that happen. one 821 5900 is the number. Help at employmenthour.com. We're talking about the top reasons people sign severance offers when they – Shouldn't be doing so. How about this? They feel bound by the terms of the employment agreement. This one needs some uh, some explanation, yeah? Yeah, and, and we, we touched on it a bit uh, at the top of the show on the week that was. And oftentimes an employment agreement may try to limit a person's entitlement. So you may have signed an employment agreement where the, the employer in, in that agreement is trying to say that down the road, if we let you go, we're only going to pay you a certain amount. We're not going to pay you your full entitlements. And you may think, okay, I just lost my job. The employer says, hey, uh, John, look at that employment agreement. Because of that employment agreement, we only have to pay you a certain amount. And you obviously may feel bound by it. And mm -hmm. you say, well, I guess there's nothing I can do. In reality, John, oftentimes we're able to get around that employment agreement. There are numerous ways. And I'm going to tell you that in three quarters of cases, when someone comes to me with an employment agreement that tries to limit their entitlements, we're able to get around it for various reasons and still go ahead and able, uh, be able to get the person their full entitlements. So if you signed an employment agreement and that limits your entitlements, absolutely, in every case without exception, give me a call. Let's look at it together and see if you were in fact bound by it. If you are bound by it, well, it is what it is. At least you know. But in many cases, as I said, probably three-quarters of cases, we're, we can get around it. You're not bound by it, which still means you get proper severance. So it's not the end of the world if you sign an employment agreement uh, that limits your entitlements. You still have to get legal advice. We may still be able to get you everything you're owed uh, and, and, and get around that agreement. Reasons you shouldn't be signing that severance offer. How about this one? Again, it goes back to talking to friends and people who don't know. They compare their severance offer of that who someone else has let go. 
Yeah, and you know, oftentimes people may may uh, you know, if they're part of a larger termination, other people have been let go. Say, well, I know that Bob got uh, three months severance, and they offered me three or offered me four, so I'm going to accept it. Uh, and and you know, they 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 assume that that's a correct that that's a correct analysis. In many cases, it's absolutely wrong. First of all, you don't know uh, why Bob may have gotten what he did. In fact, he may have gotten a very bad deal as well. You can't use that as a guide. Every employee is entitled to a certain amount by law, and just because someone got more or less doesn't impact what you are owed. This is an individual type of an analysis. Uh, and you know, in fact, your employer may have given an, an employee a really, really great deal. It doesn't mean that you are necessarily owed the same great deal. You're owed what the law says. By the same token, another employee may have gotten a horrible deal. That doesn't mean you should be getting a horrible deal. Again, the law takes care of that for us. The law decides uh, how much you're owed if you lost your job, not what another employee got. You don't decide. I don't decide. Your employer doesn't decide. The law takes care of that for us. So it's completely pointless to compare your severance offer with someone else's. It, it doesn't teach us anything. It doesn't show us anything. Lots more to come here as we take a short break. one 821 5900 and help at employmenthour.com to contact Lior. This is the Employment Hour. Back in a moment here on Talk Radio, AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. one 821 5900 help at employmenthour.com. We'll get an email here in just a few minutes. We are talking about uh, this topic this hour, the top reasons people sign several offers when they shouldn't. We've been through a bunch of these. Um, this one's probably pretty big as well. They think that it's difficult, it's long, it's a, it's a costly process to uh, to adjust that severance offer. Yeah, that, that is a huge reason why people accept uh, severance offers that they shouldn't because they think, well, what's my alternative? Even if this is not a good offer, am I really going to find a way to improve it? Is it going to be really long? Is it going to be expensive and difficult? What's the point? May as well accept a severance package and move on. Well, that is completely wrong, wrong, wrong. Employment disputes, unlike other types of legal disputes, employment disputes resolve quickly. Employment disputes are not complicated. They don't take a long time. They oftentimes don't even require formal legal proceedings. They can resolve very, very quickly, oftentimes in, in a week or two weeks or something like that. Mm. Uh, costs are usually fairly nominal. So unlike you know personal injury cases, criminal cases, family cases that could literally take years to resolve and could be you know pretty complex and uh, and uh, you know handful, very different with employment cases. And you know in so many situations I've seen people that accepted inadequate offers where I know for a fact that if they gave me a couple of weeks, I could have probably doubled it. Again, not, not because I say so or because I'm so wonderful, because that's what the law provides, mm-hmm. right? The law is not that complicated when it comes to these issues. So please remember that. Don't ever be intimidated by the process of improving severance. Usually it's all about a negotiation. We engage your employer in a negotiation, pretty easy, pretty quick, and we resolve it and move on. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That's Lior's number. We're talking about uh, reasons, the top reasons anyway. There's so many why people sign severance offers when they shouldn't. And uh, we'll wrap it with this one. That is, you know, you hear this all the time. Even though they just got let go by this company, they don't want to burn bridges with the company that let them go. Yeah, and a lot of people may think, well, I'm going to accept this offer because if I don't, and if I challenge the employer on the offer that they gave me, I may burn bridges. And and no one wants to burn bridges. And by the way. I agree in the sense that you don't want to burn bridges. I I never want to burn bridges, and I don't like my clients to burn bridges. And that goes back to what I was saying before. 
Because employment issues usually resolve quickly, they resolve amicably and often without legal uh, proceeding or formal legal proceedings, you don't burn bridges. We don't uh, approach your employer saying, how dare you, you're a horrible employer, uh, we're going to do all these nasty things to you if you don't pay more. We, we approach them professionally. We make it clear that we were, want to resolve matters amicably. And in almost all cases, we're able to do that. I have yet to see a situation that because the employee pursued and, and sought their full severance, they burned bridges. Uh, so don't let that be a consideration. You know, be, be loyal to your family because your family is the one that needs that money, needs that severance to live while you're looking for another job. That should be the main priority, and we're not going to burn any bridges. Help at employmenthour.com is the email address. We'll get to one now from Bill. As promised, says, I've been called into a meeting uh, this coming Friday with my boss. I believe they're, they're going to let me go. Can I do something about it? You know, and, and I get that, asked that often. Oftentimes I get calls and emails from people that uh, believe they're about to let to be let go and they want to talk to me because their hope is, let's see if we can avoid this. Let's see if we cannot be let go. No one wants to be let go in most cases. In reality, John, what I'm going to say to Bill, what I've said to people in similar situations is, unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about the fact that your employer is going to let you go. There's nothing we can do to avoid that. Right. There's nothing we can do to, to change that. The only thing we could do is to make sure that you get the severance that you're owed. I've had people think that, well, maybe I'll go on a disability leave instead of going to that meeting. So I'll call them the day before the meeting and say, I can't work. I'm sick. Here's my doctor's note. Well, that may delay the termination until you come back to work, but it's not going to avoid it. It's not going to change it. There's really no point in doing that. So, no, Bill, we can't do anything about the termination other than make sure you get everything you're owed. In the meantime, if you believe you're about to be let go, Make sure you have a copy of your employment agreement handy because we're going to need to look at it. Uh, and give me a call as soon as that happens. Uh, you can use the severance calculator in the meantime to, to see how much you'd be owed to, to, to inform yourself in advance. Uh, and do your job to the best of your ability. Uh, and that's really the only thing we can do right now. And Bill, severancepaycalculator.com is the website that Lior just uh, just passed over there. It's help at insurance, uh, pardon me, help at employmenthour.com. I thought Savan was in the room for a moment. Um, we're going to get to one more here before we bounce on to something different. And that would be a talk about independent contractors. We get phone calls about this all the time. But uh, this email, Sean says, I was, wow, I was hit by a coworker at work. He wasn't charged with a criminal offense. He still works there, and it makes me very uncomfortable. What do I do? Well, you know, if in fact he hit you, and if in fact that's something that's accepted and known, uh, yeah, your employer can't just, you know, move on uh, with this as if it never happened. If there's a legitimate concern about safety, uh, if there's legitimate concern about this happening again, your employer has to do something about it. It, it may mean putting you guys on separate parts of, of, of the floor, changing shifts around, etc. cetera. Uh, they can't just ignore it. Uh, so what I would want to know, uh, I would want to know what, what is the concern? Is it really that this may happen again or are you just upset with this person? If there's a real concern about this happening again, talk to your employer, make sure that they do something about it. If they refuse, you may be able to treat that as a constructive dismissal in the sense that a, a work situation has been created that makes it very difficult for you to continue working. That is a constructive dismissal, so we may be able to get you out of there with severance, but I would start with talking with your employer, try to get them to do something about it. Uh, if that doesn't work, give me a call, and we could certainly uh, treat that as a constructive dismissal. So in the meantime, uh, Sean, take this number down. It's one eight five five eight two one. 
5,900. More information can be had or questions at help at employmenthour.com. Lior is there to answer those. If you haven't seen or seen or used a severance pay calculator, that as well, very simple, severancepaycalculator.com. We'll get into the talk and the chat and the uh, the misnomers of independent contractors here in just a moment. Lots more of the Employment Hour coming right up on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. 1-855-821-5900. That is the number to get a hold of Lior. It is help at employmenthour.com. Let's get into this uh, this chat about independent contractors. A lot of gray area here. Well, there's not by law, but what people know about it anyway. So first, uh, you got a story about this, right? Yeah, I recently dealt with a, a person that had worked for a company for 15 years. And, you know, if I if I told you what he did and uh, how he worked, hey, no, no issues. He he was uh, working in the accounting department for 15 years. It went every day at 9 o'clock, left every day at 5 o'clock, punched in and punched out. Uh, and, and, you know, did this for years and years and years. Same job, get, got pay raises over time, uh, you know, participated in the company's Christmas parties, etc., so what what's the the, the catch here? What's the the, the 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 angle? Well, the fact is that he was on paper considered an independent contractor. Yeah. Uh, the company said, "Yeah, you're an independent contractor," and they let him go earlier this year. And guess what? They said, "We don't owe you anything because you're not our employee." Look, we're not withholding taxes. Well, of course, that was nonsense. He was an employee in the eyes of the law, just like any employee. He's more of an employee than anyone I've seen. And so uh, we resolved this matter. It got him about 18 months compensation. And, and that led me to, to obviously understand and appreciate how many people believe that they're really independent contractors when in the eyes of the law they are not. And that's something we want to spend a couple of minutes on uh, right now. So let's uh, describe it off the top. What is an independent contractor? Independent contractor is someone that's in business for him or herself. Someone that's out there looking for clients. Someone that's running a business. So an independent contractor is someone that provides services to to a few people or a few companies. Uh, that they, they don't have regular hours. They don't have uh, an office uh, in in a company's uh, building. They come in and, and, and go as they need to. Uh, they they schedule their appointments with their clients. They are in charge of their own expenses. That is what an independent contractor is. The 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 plumber that you call into your house to fix your your uh, leaky pipe is an independent contractor because that plumber has several clients. He's going to different places. Uh, he decides when he's going to come into your house. And, and when he's done, he's leaving. You're probably not going to see him again. He's an independent contractor. He's not your employee. On the other hand, if you were, you own a plumbing company and the plumber comes work for you every day, uh, then he's an, he's your employee. It doesn't matter what you call him. doesn't matter how you tax him or how you pay him. He's still an employee. So remember that distinction. Plumber, independent contractor, Regular hours, regular job, not an independent contractor. Pretty good description there. What if uh, someone doesn't meet the criteria? Is there still a chance they could be an independent contractor? Well, no. No, it's either you meet the criteria or you don't. If you don't meet the criteria of an independent contractor, you are not an independent contractor. You know, if if, if you uh, act like a duck and you look like a duck, then you're a duck. It's the same thing with an independent contractor. If you look like an employee and act like an employee, you're an employee. If you look like an independent contractor and act like one, you're an independent contractor. So if you have a regular job, you're always going to be an employee. doesn't matter what the paper says. That doesn't matter what you've been calling yourself. It doesn't matter what the company's been calling you. Sometimes they may call you a consultant. So you're a consultant uh, or you're on contract, quote-unquote. 
Mm-hmm. None of that matters. The law decides what you are. You don't really get to make that decision. A uh, company doesn't make that decision. And that's extremely important because uh, there's very different uh, consequences if you lose your job as an independent contractor versus as an employee. Very important. You, you slipped in there a little while ago something about taxes, not uh, deducting taxes or withholding taxes. Address that when it comes to this. Well, a lot of people think, well, I've been working for the company for all this time, but they don't, they don't deduct taxes. I pay my own taxes, so doesn't that make me an independent contractor? Absolutely not. The fact that you haven't been taxed the way you should have or you've decided that you're going to pay your own taxes doesn't make you an independent contractor, okay? Substance over form. What makes you an independent contractor is running your own business. That's it. So no, taxes, I don't really care about that. Uh, if, if it was that simple, I would simply not pay taxes for any of my employees and I'll, I'll just make them independent contractors. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's not the case. So we don't really care at all who pays the taxes, who withholds the taxes. That doesn't even form part of the analysis in deciding whether someone is an independent contractor or an employee. Got about a minute left in this one. I'll ask you this uh, final question before we break. Does it matter if you have your own company? No, a lot of people think, well, I have a, my own company. I've incorporated, so I have uh, Lior Inc. So that clearly makes me an independent contractor. Absolutely not. It's extremely easy to incorporate. Anyone can do that. Fill out some paperwork, pay a fee. Guess what? You're incorporated. That doesn't make you an independent contractor. Again, do you run your own business? Do you have several clients? Do you come and go as you please? Those are the only things we care about when it comes to an independent contractor uh, versus employee. So the fact that you have your own incorporated company is, again, a completely irrelevant factor. We're not even going to consider that in deciding whether someone is an employee or a contractor. More details about independent contractors uh, here in just a moment. one 821 5900 is that number and help at employmenthour.com. Lots more coming right up. Stand by on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. one 821 5900 and help at employmenthour.com. As we get into our last few minutes here, we'll continue uh, our chat because a lot of gray area, a lot of misconception when it comes to independent contractors. So coming through your office, how common is it to see someone mischaracterized as an independent contractor when they are actually an employee? Oh, gosh. Virtually every time someone calls me uh, when they've been let go and they say, I've been treated as an independent contractor, in almost all of these situations, they really are employees in the eyes of the law. Almost always. When someone is an independent contractor, they know. You know, like I said, the plumber, you know, if I decide not to call my plumber in to fix my pipes anymore and hire another plumber, that plumber is not going to think that Lior fired me, right? He's going to know that that's fine. He's going to find another client. So uh, when people call me when they lost their job, it's because they actually have a job and because they're actually employees in the eyes of the law. So it's a very common situation. And and, and it's it's an important one for people to understand. If you lost your job and really you are an employee in the eyes of the law, you get full severance, right? You, You get your full severance based on your age, your position, and the length of your employment. So that's why you want to be considered an employee in the eyes of the law. Whereas if you really are an independent contractor, you don't get that. So you may have worked for a company for a few years thinking you're an independent contractor. Unfortunately, the position comes to an end. And then you may think, okay, I don't know. I don't get anything. Where in fact, it could be owed, I don't know, a year's pay. So that's why that distinction is so important. I'm going to make it very, very clear right now, John. If you lost your job, I don't care what you call yourself. If you lost your job, you have to give me a call. It's as simple as that. So you don't have to wonder, should I be giving Leo a call? It's very simple. You lost your job, you give me a call. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is that number. So, is there anything in between, like uh, employee or independent contractor? 
So yeah, there is actually. So we talked about employees and independent contractor. There's in some situations an in-between category. Someone can be what we call a dependent contractor. A dependent contractor is someone that is not an employee in the sense that they have several clients, but one of the clients they really depend on. They get the majority, the bulk of their income from that one client. So because of that, they're a dependent contractor, which means if that one client lets them go, they still are owed severance as an employee would in a sense because they're so dependent on that company. So if I have a business and I have three clients, but I get 80% of my business from a one client, mm -hmm. if that client decides to let me go, I'm still owed severance from that, uh, that client because I'm a dependent contractor. So it goes back to what I said a minute ago. If you lost your job, if you lost your position, you have to call me. You have to get legal advice because you could be owed significant compensation. Do you, would you get your full severance? You would get your full severance nice. in that situation. A dependent contractor gets essentially the same severance as an employee would, uh, and, and it's worth finding out if you would fall in that category. Uh, well, I get to an email or two before we wrap up here for the day. It is help at employmenthour.com. Christina writes in, says, my employer has relocated our office two hours drive away. I was told that I can get a ride with a colleague so that I wouldn't have to drive if uh, I don't want to. Do I have to accept the move? Well, interesting question here with, uh, with Christina. And, and an employer obviously doesn't have a right to relocate you that far away because if the employer does, that's a significant change in the terms of your employment and you can treat that as a constructive dismissal. The fact that, that there's a colleague that can drive you and you may not actually have to do the drive yourself doesn't change that analysis simply because if you're now going to spend two hours uh, you know, or four hours a day to, to back to, uh, to coming home, uh, to uh, four hours a day more than you used to, that's a significant change, whether you're sitting in a car driving or someone else drives you. Mm -hmm. So that is still a constructive dismissal. So, Christina, you have this choice. You can accept this move and continue working and then commute to, uh, to, to work with your colleague, or you can treat that as a termination and get your severance. And for our listeners, any significant relocation that's going to result in you spending a lot more time in a given day or in a given week uh, traveling to work, could be a constructive dismissal. Uh, so uh, it's something that an employer does not have a right to do, and you could be able to leave with compensation. Is there any fallout if she does accept it? Well, if she accepts it, number one, it, it will be too late to, to go back. Usually there would be a short window, two, three weeks or so, to try it out. Uh, and the other problem is if she accepts it, she gives the employer the right to do it again. So now they've relocated her, and if they do it again next month, next year, at that point, she can't do anything about it. You only have that one kick at the can. So that's why it's so important not to accept a change that you will regret later because once you've accepted that change, you, you're stuck there and you've given the employer the right to do it again. A very bad situation. So let's get this right the first time when a change is implemented. Let's decide whether we really want to accept it or if we're better off leaving with compensation. We'll uh, pretty much shut her down for another week, my friend, until we, uh, or at least until you join us next time. A couple bits of information you need to know. First would be the phone number. That is 1-855-821-5900 to get a hold of Lior. Give him a call under any circumstances with any concerns when it comes to your severance or your job, for that matter. And severancepaycalculator.com. Find out exactly what you're, uh, what you're uh, owed under the law, not what someone should tell you, what you're legally owed under the law. That calculator will tell you for sure. Until next time, uh, it is help at employmenthour.com. The phone number one more time, 1-855-821-5900. Employment Hour, right here, Talk Radio, AM 640 and AM 900, CHML.